0: Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show.
1: Well, hey, thanks for joining us again today on the Victor Marks Show. We've got to get right back into this. This is day two of a broadcast with Melanie McDaniel. Uh, She's a Christian homeschooling mom who, once her kids were out of the house, she ended up adopting four children from the inner city. And we left off yesterday with her telling us, on the front end of being able to know these children and still working with the mother in the inner city, how she literally, the mother went missing with three of the kids, She had kept one of the gals, couldn't get help from local authorities. She found where the mom was, went into the inner city, found this little house where they were trafficking this young mom, and she went into it and faced the traffickers. So let's pick it up today, Melanie, with this, this courageous story of you being filled with the spirit. And we love the fact that you're a Southern woman, prepared, came from a tough background, You carry, you're a responsible gun owner, but the Lord told you, keep that weapon at home, go with me. And I think there's absolutely a time and place for that. And we actually did that going from Iraq into Syria, going to face ISIS, but all of our weapons and even armored vehicles had to stay at the border. So God does give you extraordinary faith in the moment where none of it makes sense, but just obey and leave the consequences to him. So take us back to that house. You see what's going on. There's a bed. You said you walked in there's a...
2: It's just beds. It's bare, the walls are bare except for a crucifix hanging on the wall. And all you see are beds. And this woman through a veil. who was brushing a young... She probably looked like she was maybe 12 or 13 years old, just sitting in the chair, brushing her hair, almost like she was preparing her. And so I told her, I said, I, I won't mention the mom's name, but I said, where is she? I want to see her. And she said, oh, she's busy. And I said, "I you know, I just, I want to see her. And um, let me pause right here really quick Yep. because I was truly operating under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I do not recommend this. This could have been an extremely dangerous situation. This woman was seething at me, but I could also tell I grew up in these environments so I can read people pretty well. She was seething, but she was afraid. She was afraid because the Holy Spirit was surrounding me. So I want to make that clear because I don't want anybody to think that, oh, I'm just going to, you know, take on the world. You have to be fully clothed in the armor of God before. And, and I've never done anything like this um, since. I've gone back to my, you know, my homeschooling mom sort of lifestyle, <laughs> you know, but I'm just saying that I, I don't want to mislead anyone because this is, it's all the Lord. And so I, I go in That's and good. she allows her to come down and she's supervising us. This this woman who's overseeing her, and the mom is she's beautiful, young mom, Puerto Rican, tall, just gorgeous. She's um, I'm asking her, "Are you okay?" And she's saying, "I'm fine, Miss Melanie. I'm fine." And I'm pressing her because I'm thinking there's no way you're fine. There's a bed in the living room, you know, yeah. <laughs> like this is yeah. creepy. You're not okay. And she and she finally whispered to me. She leaned down like she was petting a cat. And she leaned down. And she said. She said she won't let the kids eat unless I bring in money every day. In her broken English she's telling me this and she said she said the kids are hungry. She said I can't do it. And I just said you're coming with me and she said I can't. I can't and she was scared. And I said go upstairs and get your things and mom did it as she told me and I I just stood up and I was just praying the whole time and I was just thinking I I could die <laughs> right now. And, but I also thought if I'm going to die, this is how I want to die. <laughs> you know, right. it's just, I'm just, I'm, I cannot leave these three children. At the time she had three children with her. They were just so young. I think they were gorgeous, gorgeous um, girl. They're all gorgeous children. Um, but yeah.
1: were they all in the house at that point? Were they in a back bedroom? They or were, somewhere Else,
2: they had been sent outside. So they were playing in the front yard. And, um, so I just said to mom, I said, get the kids and go to the car, leave her to me. Mm-hmm. And the woman came at me and I was afraid to turn my back. But, you know, I just said, Lord, I said, I- I'm not leaving here without them. You brought me here. I'm not leaving without them. So we piled into my, my truck and, and we left. And um,
1: we're literally hearing about a, a rescue, a rescue of a girl being trafficked with children under fear and compulsion and it's from a homeschooling mom uh you know who actually God prepared and used your childhood in order to be best suited to go in there and that's what I would add to your admonition is if you're listening to this don't get all worked up emotionally uh, that you're going to do something, you must be led by the power of God's Spirit. Because if you're not, you'll walk into just like the seven sons of Sceva who they're going to deal with the demonic. And those guys actually ran out, beaten, clothes ripped off, because really the power of God wasn't with them. And, um, but if God puts it on your heart, if, he, if He's guiding you, you, you'll be obedient to small things. When you're obedient in the small things, when it comes time for a big thing, it's not a big deal. You just do it. You have that level of confidence, right, Melanie?
2: I did. And it's true. I mean, and that was that was a big thing, and I've not been called to do that again. And I would have to speak to your listeners. I was surrounded by one of the most beautiful communities that I could ask for. People knew that I was going through this with these children, mm-hmm. and they I could not have done it with that, without them. Even though I was the one on the front lines, they were covering me with prayer. Um, they knew that that I, mm-hmm. I was suffering. I entered into their mm-hmm. pain. I was suffering as, I, as these children would disappear. I would have to go across state lines to rescue them because they had been abandoned, abandoned in the Appalachian Mountains by a man mm-hmm. that the mom would run off with. I would have to go get the kids and their dog. I mean, So there are ways to do very big things because even now my friends and family who supported me through this, you know, they feel very invested and they are, I feel like they are invested in my children. They love them so much. And so it's, um, it it wasn't just me. I was the one who the Lord chose because I had, I, I think I had the capacity for it. I'd been prepared for it. Um, but but there are ways that you can support um, people who are doing these things. And that's why where we are in our life now, why we so want to support all things possible, just because we Thank love the you. way you do it, the way that you you truly you enter in. And um, so now, you know, ultimately, I guess I should tell you how we ended up with the kids, because again, yeah. Yeah. I, my intention was to help this mom keep her children, you know, keep her. Um, sober and clean so that she could keep her children. I didn't want to raise, there were really five children. I only have four, but there are five. I didn't want to raise five more children. I had plans to travel Europe. You know, (laughs) I was like, I was going to see the world. (laughs) And um, so ultimately we got mom an apartment about a mile and a half from our house because we felt like she, she had been leaving the children just all over Nashville in these terrible places. And they would call me and they would say, will you come get me? And I would say, well, legally, I can't just come get you, and I didn't—I wouldn't know how to find them anyway. Um, and so, we got her an apartment, which it took her a month or so to even move into. And ultimately, she did move in. But unfortunately, about um, a week and a half after she moved into the apartment, she she passed away of a drug overdose. Mm. And um, so, you know, it was. It was horrific. Um, there, there's even more to that. The children had been taken away from her a couple of days before, and um, and we don't know if she took her life or if it was an accident. But she did pass away, and we were the first ones that were asked to take the kids, and we were asked to take all Thank five. Mm-hmm. Oh. But the older boy, he was um, he was 15 at the time. And he had a father that he could go live with. Our children do not either their fathers have passed away or incarcerated or we don't know who they are. So, so we, we took the children and we thought, okay, we can do this for six months. Like we, you know, we're seasoned parents, no big deal. And, um, we thought, you know, family will come forward. Someone's going to come for these beautiful children. Mm. And a couple people came forward, but we quickly realized that, um, it was not for the right reasons. And, um, there was a family that wanted to, uh, foster them, which involves a large sum of money monthly, yeah. whereas yeah. we wanted to adopt them, which um, cuts on monetary ties. And, and so there's just a different motivation there. And so we, you know, I specifically remember the day that my husband and I sat across from each other in a coffee shop and we just cried and, Because we knew what we were sacrificing. We knew what we were getting to. It's not like we went in this blindly. Like we just decided, oh, we're just going to adopt four children, change our lifestyle, all of these things. We knew the sacrifice. But, you know, as I told my husband and he agreed, I said, and if someday I'm going to write out this timeline, it was so beautiful. The Lord made it so clear this was meant for us. And I, I told my husband, I know this is meant for us, but I also know how I want to spend the rest of my life. And I said, it's it's not doing this. Mm. And I said, but I love the Lord so much and I trust Him so much that I would rather do this and know that I have not missed out on His will for us than spend the rest of my life selfishly living this life of luxury.
1: If you're listening and watching, I'm talking to a rescuer literally a sex traffic rescuer, a hero, and a disciple of Christ. And I say the same for Ray, your husband. Um, But hearing you talk, counting the cost, I think of the scripture, deny yourself daily, pick up your cross and follow me. And you got my, there's some invisible ninjas cutting onions around Mm -hmm. here because my eyes started leaking. It's because my wife and I understand so deep that sense and that feeling of going you know what we're about to do is not what we want to it's not our natural inclination but god okay we this is going to you know uh this particular mission or project is going to cost us and the, the risk is high and how many times did we have to tell our children goodbye? Mm-hmm. Or if I was heading off to somewhere, you know, I said, if I don't come back, I'm just preparing our place in heaven. And a lot of tears and angst. And yet, I agree with you 100%. What other way is there? People don't know this, but I'll tell you, I think it was last year, the year before, I was offered uh, a job. Somebody called me. I've known this guy my entire life and he said, "Hey man, you've been doing the deal. You've been a great Christian in ministry. Look, I think you should just kind of step back. I'll give you it's a seven-figure position, minimum effort because of who you are and just it's time. Your grandfather, man, you you've been you've been on the tip of the spear and so we actually prayed about it. We literally said, "Lord, is this for us now?" Is this what you have? We prayed, and we got a call actually from the Pentagon saying, there's excessive suicides on active duty bases. Would you be willing to take the time and go start speaking at the bases? Me and my wife prayed, and that was one more thing adding to our plate of our our ministry, of the lines of effort. I called the guy back. I said, hey, yeah, not going to happen. God's Mm -hmm. given me more to do. And it's exciting, though. Hard, tough. But fulfilling and exciting, wouldn't you say?
2: They are children, and we are, um, so we are in the thick of it. It is every, I would say every six months, we kind of assess and we're like, okay, you know, we've made progress. You know, there's just so much pain. You know, these children were um, just terribly abused. And um, so there's a lot of, of trust and just a lot of things that we have to work through and trying to.
1: It's complex, isn't it?
2: It is complex. And then we have our three adult children on top of that. You know, my daughters have suffered drastically. We're in Florida, not because we want to be in Florida. Like that's where we live right now because my kids, could, they could not live in Nashville. Everywhere we would go, they were reminded of an incident here, an incident there, and, and they could not heal. And so when the Lord was very clear to me, He, he was very clear that we were to move actually to the mm. coast. And I am not a beach person. I'm a mountain right. girl. And so right. here we are on the coast mm. and, um, the Lord, you know, when we had to do that, I had my daughters, especially my 26 year old who I'm incredibly close to, I mean, incredibly mm. close to both, but she, she's more dependent on me than my 22 year old. Right. And she's the one who I had, I of wedlock. Like, I just can't describe it. the relationship. is different. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, she suffered terribly. She felt abandoned. You know, she felt abandoned when I left. Right. You know, it, it was such a struggle and I had to wrestle with the Lord and I had to go back and look. And I just said, sometimes the Lord just, he asks you to give up everything. And in this case, I had to trust him that I was leaving my daughters and they were young adults at the time. Perfectly. They could take care of themselves. They were living independently, both of them. Um, but still I'm their mom and and they need their mom. They were 20 and 24 at the time that we left, and we left all of our friends, the support system that I mentioned, um, but but the Lord made it very clear that we were to leave and yeah. that this is where our children would heal, and uh, we thought that after two years, which would have been last month, we thought that we would be ready to go back to Nashville, and um, it turns out that the Lord has not released us to go back to Nashville. We, that was just us being hopeful. And um, so there's still more work to do. So it's, you know, it's a lot of sacrifice and it's a lot of praying and waiting and, um,
1: enduring. and just
2: trusting, enduring. But I look at my daughter that I had when I was 20. I got pregnant when I was 19, had her when I was 20. And, you know, if if Satan had had it his way, she would have just been another statistic. I would have been another statistic. My 26-year-old daughter is thriving like I cannot even describe to you how she's just the opposite of who she should have been. Right. And so my hope and my excitement, I would say at this point in life is looking at these four children and saying, okay, by the world standards, I know how my children, you know, these four children, how their lives should look and, and what that's going to look for them, even though they were rescued. Um, You know, the world will tell you they're just there's so much damage and so much baggage. It's going to take years. But um, I'm excited because I'm already seeing after two years, these kids, you would never you would never know. They have moments, but rare moments. You would just never know their background because we just pour Jesus into them, pour Jesus into them.
1: Mm. Melanie, this has been so good to be allowed into your life right in the middle of it of the reality of doing things that people talk about on social media, stop the trafficking, you know, save the kids. And you actually have, you and Ray have stepped into the gap and made a difference, not in just one life, but four. And as you have adopted these beautiful children whose mother died and was trafficked and they've suffered abuse, it's not all fun and games. It's very difficult. Just being, like you said, I mean, one of them's a teenager at fifteen, and we still have teenagers at home. We have a seventeen and a fifteen year old.
2: Oh yes, fifteen like, year old girls, nothing like it.
1: <laughs> right, and like like you, we have you all. We have uh, adult children who are married, and it's very nice when you get grandbabies. I will tell you, that's I'm a, so that's, excited. It's a beautiful payday, but. I'll never forget what a kid told me in a youth prison, who would be very much like one of your children, if they had got incarcerated. And as a as a teenager, this young this young fellow said, "Adoption is the only trauma a kid is supposed to be thankful for." Hmm. And I thought, "Wow, that is really that's a really deep." You know, someone who's have to lived it, right? And who's lived it. So fostering for the right reasons, adopting for the right reasons is the answer to the struggle and the challenges of our society and the lack that kids don't have. But be spirit-led. Make sure your marriage is solid because it's not only entering it. It's the after fact, right? So I am so thankful that really, I mean, you've inspired so many today, and um, I'm excited for the future. And, you know, we have a saying at all things possible, teamwork is dream work. And we are here to support y'all, uh, and we are so thankful for you all support and us locking arms to, to do effective ministry and work. And I'm going to say that you're going to have Thousands of people now praying for your children. Would you give us their names?
2: Yes, it's Genesis, just like the Bible. And then um, Kian, and it's K-I-A-N. So that's important to him that you get that right.
1: Okay. <laughs> even, if would,
2: even if you're just praying.
1: He, I understand.
2: Kian is 13. Kian okay. could definitely use your prayer. He is, okay. he's suffered the most, and he is his sweetest spirit ever. He sometimes feel like he should be a pastor. I um, mean, he loves the Lord, um, but he has some developmental um, setbacks just yep. from the abuse. So he can use your prayer. And then um, Alexa, gorgeous eleven year old girl, and then Jaden, eight year old boy. I was terrified to take him in. It, it just he was, yeah, it was scary <laughs> to think about moving him into my home. Now he is just the most precious thing. It just. Can't even imagine life without him. So
1: love it, love it. Well, thank you, and I'm excited. I'm excited to to meet you guys in person. We'd love to have you up at the training center. Come up here for a few days when y'all get an opportunity, or we'll come down and visit y'all. But uh, we're really grateful. Two questions I always ask my guests when we're ending. Uh, the first is perception, because people kind of live by perceptions. What is y'all's perception of us, uh, my wife and I, uh, in our ministry?
2: So why I was drawn is because it just feels like um, you are boots to the ground. That's um, non-traditional. I love it when people are willing to enter in and sacrifice their own comforts to help others who are suffering. That's just really important to me. And um, so the, I, I feel like our hearts are aligned in that way. Yeah. And um, so that is, um, that's my perception.
1: Nice. Thank you. It's humbling and exciting and encouraging. Last question. We're all going to die. This is the question we asked everybody. We're all going to die. If Christ didn't come back and get us first. But when you die, Melanie, what happens to you? I mean, where are you going? What You cease to exist. You're going somewhere. What What is your belief and why do you believe it?
2: Oh, now you're going to make me cry. Those ninjas cutting onions, I think Yeah. said. Um,
1: Dang ninjas.
2: I will be in the presence of Jesus, the one who rescued me.
1: And he is the ultimate rescuer. Yes. He came from heaven to earth to seek and save and search and rescue. And I tell people, we believe that because of the word of God. The Bible says it. And if there are those out there listening right now, where you would say, Victor and Melanie, I really, I don't know this Jesus you speak of. It's as easy as calling out to him. It looks different for most people. Some people pray, some people cry, some people just call out. Some people in the quietness of their heart are just saying, if you're real, I need you. If that's you today, let me pray for you. We'll pray for you right now. And I do just ask, Lord, if there's anybody that's watching this, and they feel, Lord, the need for you to be their Savior. Lord, not just to receive you as Savior, but to follow you as Lord. I pray they would do that right now. And you know what? If, you're, if you want, you can pray this prayer in your heart or out loud. Just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me my wrongs. I know I've done wrong. Please cleanse me. But I give you my life. I want to follow you from this day forward. And like Melanie, when I die, I want to be in your presence. I want to be in heaven. Please give me that assurance and that reality. In Jesus, your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, wonderful. Thank you for being on the program today. Thanks for your friendship. Uh, thanks to you and Ray for partnership with the ministry. Because it really is a huge uh, blessing feather in the cap, whatever, to know that someone who's done rescue work is supporting us, who does it, both in the U.S. and globally, to to recover, to interrupt, identify and to interrupt those areas and to bring hope and healing, right, through restoring their lives. And even today, I, I was receiving communications from uh, we're about to launch Uh, the justice piece in getting a very very bad guy who had done a very very bad things to a little girl and uh we have we have the green light with authorities so the girl's safe she's in our care and uh we're thankful to god for for people like you and your husband and others that make this possible because we sure couldn't do it without prayers and support Hey, to everyone listening and watching, thank you so much for being part of what we do. And whatever God calls you to do, go get it done.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.